And so let's get into the message today. Give it up for Shane today. Just, just making, making me sound super spiritual up here. Um, open your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to get into the message um, today. I am excited about it. It went so well in the first service, and I know you guys. Are y'all ready this morning? Yeah? Yes? Y'all ready? All right, I'm excited about it. Open your Bibles with me this morning. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 um, is where we're going to start um, today. Um, I'm excited because this is the last message in the series called Real Life Christians. And so, um, man, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about what does it look like to be a real life Christian? Anybody in here want to be a real life Christian? Yeah. You know, you want to be a real Christian. And how do we do that? And, and so much of what we've been taught in religion has absolutely nothing to do with being a real life Christian. Real life Christianity is, is doing what Jesus told us to do in Scripture. He sums it up. Um, inside of Scripture. And so over the last couple of weeks, um, this is what we've talked about, but we're, we're, we're going to end it today. And I'm sad. And you guys know that this has been so fun um, because, uh, you know, the chairs are different and it's felt more homey. And some of you have said you hated it. Some of you said you liked it. And <laughs> both of you are probably going to be mad because I'm going to change it next week anyway. Um, but it's been so fun to take a break here in the summer and really talk about what is it like to be a real life Christian. Um, you know, we can make church about a lot of things, but at the end of the day, what, what is it really about? Why are we here? Why do we exist? And so over the last three weeks, week one, we talked about love. You guys remember this? Um, loving people, that's the basis for being a real life Christian. Here's the trick though, you can't love people until you've experienced the unconditional love of God yourself. You will never lead people back to a God that you are not convinced loves you unconditionally because you will look at the condition of people's lives and think they are unlovable by the Father if you don't first have the revelation that God loves you no matter what. That was the first week. That was the first week. Good week, right? Um, next week, last week we talked about um, your awareness for the lost. That's what we've got to do. We had to have a, an awareness for the lost. We've got to notice they're there. You guys remember the statistics, 35, 53%. 53% of, uh, of the world will never step through the doors of our church, right guys? So if the message is come, come, come only, um, we're going to miss 53% and they're going to die and go to hell. Um, and that's a big number for me. 53% is a lot of people. Amen, everybody. Um, one out of three people quit going to church during the pandemic and have not been back, right? Um, what were the other statistics? I can't rattle them off the top of my head. Um, I couldn't even tell you what date it was in June. But... Um, but we've realized last week that most of the people we come in contact with in our everyday life are far from God. That everybody used to go to church. Everybody's uncle used to be a deacon. The fact is, is we live in a post-Christian era, everybody. Where people are staying away from churches by the droves. Why? Why? Well, I would submit to you that, that, that the problem um, there is, is that we haven't owned the Great Commission Right, everybody? And so that's what we, we, we talked about last week. And this week, y'all are so happy. I know y'all are going to be so happy. Because this week I'm going to teach you practically how to win the lost 
inside of your life. I said this last couple of weeks, may we never get to the place in our life where this becomes routine. That's why we changed the chairs, stopped in the middle of summer. May we never get to the place in life where it just becomes another Sunday and another Sunday and it's just another message. And May we never get to the place where church is just something you attend and that's what you do because that's what your mom did and you were Christians growing up so you want to bring your kids to church and that's it for you. May this never get to the place where it's just simply attending church. Come on, somebody. May we always be moving and growing and challenging each other and stretching each other and pursuing the call and the gifting that God has uh, on our life. You know, in this series, we've been stretched a little, right? I've been a little offensive. Amen. A lot of times where you did, you couldn't say amen, you said ouch, right? And I have too. I've been challenged. You know, challenged as a pastor, you know, I told you guys this, uh, my goal as your pastor is, is not to turn you into a church person where you learn where my only goal is to teach you how to operate inside the parameters of what we have here as a church, right? I was so funny, I was talking to, 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 to one of my guys in my small group last night and he said, hey, my, my nephew wants to get baptized tomorrow. And he said, do we have room for him? And I'm like, well, yeah. I said, we'll baptize all of Caddo County if they want to get baptized tomorrow. We'll be here that long. And he said, uh, and he'd like for me to baptize him. What are your thoughts on that? And immediately I just sent back to him. I said, well, when Jesus said, we're going to read it in a minute. But when Jesus said, go and baptize, was he talking to you? And he said, well, absolutely. And I said, well, then absolutely you can, you can baptize him. And then it all of a sudden it hit me in this moment. This, we've been preaching about it for three weeks, this giant revelation. It's like uh, us as Christians, we, we have not been taught how to own the Great Commission. He did not believe the Great Commission was his. We, we've been trained that pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists, those are the ones that, they're the ones that get out and do the Great Commission thing. When in all actuality, Ephesians chapter 4, right here, it says that, that the Bible gave us, or that God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to what? To equip people to live out the Great Commission. It's not special people doing special things. It's Christians living out the Great Commission. Are y'all with me, everybody? That's why we exist. We exist to live out the great commission inside of our lives. That's why we're here. That's why we preach. That's why we sing. That's why we have kids ministry. That's why we baptize people. That's why I go to my life every single day. That's why God put me on the ball field. That's why God put you at that job. That's why God put you in that crazy family. All because you exist to live out the great commission. It's not just what Jesus did, and it's not just what pastors do, but it's also what Jesus commanded His disciples to do, commanded us to do. Right, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, this is the Great Commission. This is what we've been talking about for three weeks. This is yours, you own it. Just as much as Ryan is going to baptize his nephew today, you own the Great Commission. It ain't just for me. My job is to equip you to live out the Great Commission. That's my job. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain in which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Jesus, they worshipped Him. I love this, but it says, But some doubted. I love that He even said that the message of the Great Commission, which is the greatest thing we've ever heard as Christians, is reserved for people who doubt also. 
What does that tell me today? Maybe even if you've got questions for God, even if you're like my friends that I invited next week on the ball field that, that their, 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 their sibling died of cancer young and they've got a lot of questions about God, that you're still equipped and called and commissioned to live out the Great Commission inside of your life. Come on, somebody. He said, and some doubted, and some doubted. Put it back up here, Anastasia. And some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he said this word that we've forgotten in thousands of years of church. He said, go. Come on, read it with me. Go. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, of all nations, because at this point in time, the message of Jesus was only reserved for the Jewish people. He said, I want you to take it everywhere. And, they, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he didn't leave it there. He said, don't just throw up a tent, have a crusade, and leave. He said, I want you to teach. I want you to walk with. I want you to, to lead. I want you to steward. I want you to shepherd them and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Come on, somebody. That's the Great Commission. That's why we exist. That's why you exist. That's why I exist. To live out the Great Commission. And what's interesting and, and so cool is, is in this church, you guys have done such an incredible job of living out the Great Commission. 36 people in nine months have went from, 37, have went from death to life. We're going to baptize eight people in the middle of summer. We got some people up in here. Come on, somebody. Living out the Great Commission. Not just talking about it, but being, being about it. And so here we are today. Here we are today, last sermon in the series, and we've built over the last three weeks love, awareness for the lost. And this week, my goal, because I do have a goal, is to teach you practical skills on how to share the gospel with people inside of your life, how to be a, say it with me, real life Christian. But, but let, me t- let me start with this. None of the last three weeks will mean nothing. It'll mean nothing. It'll be just me wasting three sermons, really great sermons that I worked really hard on. (laughs) If you and I don't decide that we are going to take personal responsibility for the lost people in our lives, if we don't wake up every day and go, I'm going to take personal responsibility. No, 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 no. I'm not going to worry about if they watched hear, hear Joel Osteen someday on TV because Lord knows he's got more people saved than probably I'll ever even imagine. I, I'm not going to wait until they get to church. I'm not going to wait until they do this. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to hand up. I'm going to take personal responsibility for the people I work with who are far from God. I'm going to take personal responsibility for the people in my family that are far from God. I'm going to take personal responsibility for the people in my... Nothing, none of these three weeks will mean nothing if you don't decide and I don't decide that we're going to take personal responsibility for the lost people in our lives. Amen, everybody? We, we can't leave the relegate the, the, the gospel message and the Great Commission to, to someone else. God has put you in their life on purpose. God has put you at that job on purpose. God has made you their mom or their dad on purpose, their aunt or their uncle on purpose. Why? So that you can live out the Great Commission. So that you can take personal responsibility for the lost people in your life. Are you all with me this morning? Yeah. Okay, so now that's cleared up. You know, as I was looking throughout the Bible, I'm thinking about who can I teach about to end out this series Who's the most evangelistic person 
in the Bible. Anybody got any guesses who the most evangelistic person in the Bible was? Anybody who wasn't here first service? Put your hand down, Chris. Paul, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. You know, as I look throughout Scripture, I couldn't find anyone to end this series out better than the Apostle Paul. You know, you know Paul is cool, though, because you think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Catholic Church has made him a saint. I mean, it's a, he's a really big deal, right? The Apostle Paul. And Well, when you think about it, though, he's really just like me and you. Amen. How many of y'all know Paul had a past? Paul wasn't always, for those of you that don't know, maybe like, Paul, who's this Paul he's talking about? The Apostle Paul wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He was, once before, he was Saul. And Saul had a past. Saul's mission in life was to kill Christians. This is interesting. He, he would murder people who were belonging to the way, to the, to the people who were following Jesus Christ and His teachings. I mean, this was his job. This was his profession. This was his life. This was his mission, was to go into churches and synagogues and clean out the believers of Jesus Christ. But, but how many of you know one day Paul met Jesus? And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's a really cool story. You should go and read it. Paul is traveling to Damascus and, and a bright light knocks him off his horse and he goes blind and, and he actually sees the physical form of Jesus. This is one of the places in the New Testament after Jesus went to heaven that he actually appeared to somebody. Really significant. That's why Paul made a bookend apostle and that's why he was an apostle. You get it? It's good stuff. Anyway. Um, what's interesting though is when Paul met Jesus... His, his life changed, and not only did his, his name change from Saul to Paul, but his mission changed also. Hey, here's what that goes to show you, that a belief system will not change your life. Only a person will. You, you can have the greatest belief. He, was, he, knew, he knew more about the Old Testament of the Bible than most people, yet a belief system will not change you. A person will. It's an encounter with Jesus that will change your name. It's an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. It's an encounter with Jesus that will change the priorities you have in your life. It's, it's only an encounter with Jesus that will give you the ability to take personal responsibility for the lost in your life. Are you all with me? This morning. So, so when you know, when we read this scripture here in just a second, you're going to read it through that lens. This is Paul who killed Christians. Radically converted on the road to Damascus. Has an encounter with Jesus. His mission, life, and name changes. And then he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, verse 19. He wrote 14 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament. Over a hundred chapters in the Bible Paul wrote. And this is what he says. And I'm reading it in the message today. I don't normally preach out of the message today. If you're a Bible thumper, I usually preach out of the ESV. Uh, but today I just love the way that this said it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, it says, even though I am free, this is Paul saying, even though I'm free, how do we reach the lost? How do we practically do it? Paul's going to give us the answers right here. He says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have what? Voluntarily, Voluntarily become a servant in order to reach a wide range of people. I love that list here. He says, he says, religious, anybody know any of those kind of people? You might probably are those people at some point in your life. Non-religious, meticulous moralist, loose living moralist, amen. The defeated, the demoralized, I can just hear him, kind of like a Martin Luther King speech. Whoever. 
It's important though. He says, I, this is how we reach the lost in our life. We learn love. We learn that there are lost and we are aware of them now and this is how we reach them. He says, however, I did not take on their way of life. I kept my bearing in Christ. This is where it gets tricky for us as Christians. He says, but I entered their world and I not only entered their world, but I tried to experience things from their point of view. Well, we don't do that anymore, do we? I've become just about every sort of servant there is. Y'all, 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 I was raised in charismania where if you were like the man of God, you know, you were the preacher, you were the anointed preacher, you, 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 no one touched you, you had a radius, and you had people that bring you water, and I, had, I like, uh, uh, the uh, church I was working at one time, um, we had a guy come in, and he was a prophet, and he did not touch door handles, um, that was his thing, he didn't touch door handles, and I'm like, well, what's he do? When he has to go to the bathroom, does he like leave the door open? Because that'd be awkward for everybody. And I like asked my, because I thought it was ridiculous. So I asked my boss, I'm like, so what do I do? Like, what if he needs to go to the bathroom? You know, he's like, man, shut up. That's just how it is. No, it's not. Paul became a servant, every sort of servant to everybody. Why? In order to reach a wide range of people and lead them into a God-saved life. This is the Apostle Paul, the greatest pastor that ever lived. And he said, I've, I came to, to, to become every kind of servant I could. Why? Because people are dying and going to hell. That's why. I don't have time for a radius. I don't have time for people to bring me special water. I don't have time to take up special offerings. As a matter of fact, Paul rarely got paid to preach the gospel. He made tents and, and begged for, you know, like not begged, but like, you know, just took donations every now and then. He wasn't like Peter or, or any of the, the, the other apostles. He did it for free. And he says, I've become every, you talk about evangelism, I've become every sort of servant in order to meet those I meet to lead them into a God-saved life. He says this, I love this. He says, I didn't just want to talk about it. I didn't want to sing about it on Sunday morning. I didn't want to post about it on social media. He said, I wanted to be in on it. Not only do I, I know it's so good in it, not only do I love this block of scripture, but I love Paul's heart here. Come on. Like if anybody who could say, I'm the man. He said, I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in. How many of y'all want to be in on it? More than even that, I even love the practicality of this of this passage. I love how it lays out step by step for like how you actually reach the lost people inside of your life. Let's get busy this morning. Number one, how do you reach the lost people in your life? Write this down because it's going to help you. Number one is by adding value to lost people. By adding value to lost people. Look at what he says here. He says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everything. Just so y'all know, I'm a big deal. He says, I have voluntarily became a servant to many. After the facts that we learned last week, the one in three, the 53%, you guys remember all those stats? I think it would be safe to say that the overwhelming majority of people that we meet in our everyday life are lost. Amen? Yeah. You can't make the decision to add value to lost people if your only focus is on yourself. <laughs> Come on, man. 
right? Who do you look at in your yearbook picture? You. <laughs> Maybe the girl you dated or the guy you dated. Right, babe? You, you can't reach lost people and add value to their life if all you're looking at in your life is how to add value to your life. How you're going to get yours. How you're going to get that promotion. How you didn't have enough money. How you didn't have enough this. How you can't do that. You, you're never going to be able to add value to lost people if you don't, if you don't see them in your life and your focus is only on you. Every day, hey, look at me, smile. I'm your friend. Every day you have the incredible opportunity. Y'all are here today. You look good. Every day you have the most incredible opportunity to get outside of yourself, outside of your life, your problems, your junk, your lack of money, your lack of this, that, and get out and help somebody else with theirs. Every day you have that incredible opportunity to get out of your own mess. I love it because, man, I could be having a bad day at home and I get out and start serving people and adding value to people I don't know. And man, my, my day gets better. I come home in a better mood. It changes the way that I, even if they're mean or ugly or rude or upset, if I add value to them, it makes my life better. Are y'all with me this morning? One of the things I teach my kids, so I'm teaching you how to, to, to reach the lost in your life. One of the things I teach my kids is we never, say never. Yes. We never, we never lead with our faith. We always add value first. I never tell them about church first. I never say, hi, my name is Mark. Would you like to meet my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> Y'all want to actually learn how to reach the lost or y'all just want to keep playing like we're church and this is where we're to make ourselves feel good? Y'all want to learn how to actually do it? I never lead with church. You know why? Because most people can't stand church or church people. They just don't. Y'all got any lost friends? I do. Plenty of them. They hate church people. They can't stand them. Most judgmental group of people I've ever been a part of. You know what? I was, everything was fine and dandy until our marriage fell apart and they never talked to us again. Everything was fine and dandy until my son, um, you know, did this or did that or till my husband did this or did that and they never talked to anybody else. Amen, everybody? I don't ever talk, I don't ever lead with church. I tell my kids, don't ever, don't ever walk up to someone and just invite them to church. That is rude and disrespectful. Here's what I've learned. I have got to earn the right, earn the right to share my faith with them. I've got to build relationship enough with them that I, my, my prayer is that by adding value to their life, that they become overwhelmed by the value I'm adding for nothing other than that at some point, someday, some way, I'm going to be able at the right time, at the right moment, be able to share my faith with them and lead them into a God-saved life. I always add value first. You want to reach lost people? Just add value to their life. Little pizza girl came to my house last night. I ran out of the house because my wife forgot to tip her. We're praying for her. <laughs> and I tipped a Domino's girl 15 bucks. You know why? I don't have 30 minutes to share. She got another delivery. I can't share my faith with her in 30 minutes. I can't give her an answer for the reasons, the hope I have. But you know what I can do? Maybe she, I'm going to order pizza next week. Maybe, maybe she'll be the same one that shows up again. 
Or maybe I'll see her at the store and I'll recognize her. Maybe she'll walk through the doors of this church one day. (gasps) That guy tipped really well. Don't you think they don't, don't, people don't remember when you add value to their life? Don't ever lead with your faith or church. Are y'all with me, everybody? I want them to be so overwhelmed by me adding value to their life that they can't help but be open to the gospel I want to share with them. Before I share my faith with them, I must earn their respect. So I was at the Travel Plaza a couple of months ago. I saw this dad. We're trying out the warmer temperature in here for y'all because y'all seem to be crapping about it being cold in here. And I'm starting to sweat. And um, he had a sign and it said, um, you know, he was needing gas, whatever it said, right? Traveling, need gas. And I looked over and I saw he had a wife and three kids with him. And I thought, oh, Lord, you teed one up for me today. This is going to be easy pickings right here, you know. That's what I think. I think that the Lord actually goes before me and lines people up to bring me in their path so I can lead them to Jesus. It's almost like I own the Great Commission, and y'all do too. Come on, somebody. And I walk over to him, and I said, hey, man, how's it going? And he said, good. And I said, well, you need some gas. And he was like, yeah, and I don't ever just give money. I, I want to give money, but I want to hear his story. And, you know, i got a secret agenda. I want to get him saved if he's not. And, and so I said, hey, man, uh... Uh, what, what's going on? Why are you, why are you needing gas? And I said, I'm not trying to be personal with you. And, you know, maybe there's another way I can help. And, and he's like, well, my family, we, we, we travel down here because my brother-in-law has a painting business or uncle or somebody that was related to him had a painting business here. And he's like, I was coming down here for a big job. He's from like Minnesota, Michigan, somewhere up in there. He's like, I was coming down here for a big job and the job, I brought my family with me and the job fell through and now we have to figure out how to get home. Oh, wow. And immediately I'm like, oh man, I, I'm a dad, so I understand that. Amen? This is it, honey. We're going to be able to move down here. I've got this great job. You know, my brother-in-law lined it up. It's going to be perfect. It's going to lead to more work. And we're not going to be in the shape we're in now, babe. I promise. And I know it's a long drive, and I know we're taking the kids, but it's going to work out, we believe. And it's going to be awesome. And and you get there, and it falls apart. And and I said, well, man, where are you traveling to? I think he said Michigan or or, or Minnesota. And he he said, oh. I, I said, okay. And. I said, well, how much money do you have? And he said, I have no money. And I said, well, if I give you a tank of gas, that's not going to get you back to, Mich- to we'll call it Minnesota. Well, that's not going to get you back to Minnesota. Was it Minnesota? That's not going to get you back to Minnesota. And in that moment, I thought, if I buy this guy a tank of gas, he's just going to have to stop at the next rest stop, bust out his cardboard sign, and be defaced and demoralized again in front of his family how he couldn't provide. Yeah. And that broke my heart. Yeah. Because I've been there. I don't, want to, I don't want to stand out there and beg for gas with my three kids. I said, are your kids hungry? Yeah, my kids are hungry. So we went inside and got them something to eat. And I'm thinking, and the Lord's moving. And I'm like, man, it's going to be a lot of money. So I bet he's going to be open for the gospel. And so I said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't, why, why, where do you live? I live in Minnesota. We typed it up. How many hours? How many, how much, what kind of gas miles is your car getting? It gets this to the mile. Okay, well, cool. It's going to take you four tanks of gas to get there, and you're going to need some food on the way. So here's $250 or $300. I can't remember how much it was. I'd just gotten paid or gotten blessed or something. and I just, It was awesome. And I said, I don't want you to have to stop again. And tears were rolling down his face, and I put, 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 put gas in his car. I'm pumping his gas for him. And uh, Middle Eastern looking guy. And um, pumping gas for him. And as I got about halfway through the tank, I leaned over and I said, Hey, are you a believer? And he said, I am. And I said, Boy, didn't God show up for you today? 
And I said, would you mind if I prayed with you? And he got, he said, yes. And I was about to grab his hands and then he was getting his kids out of the car. And we circled up around that gas pump and I prayed that God was going to bless him and how God sees his family and God always provides for his family and how God sees his children and his children are called and great and mighty are they. And man, just God's good. God's going to provide for them. This is just a way they never have to be worried about being in lack. God's with them. And, and, and all of that, because all I was trying to do was find out whether or not I was going to get to see this man in heaven again. I wanted to add value to his life before I shared my faith. Are y'all with me this morning? I know that's a long story, but I hope it helps you remember that you've got to add value to lost people. You want to reach them, you've got to add value to lost people. By adding value doesn't have, but adding value doesn't have to cost you anything. It don't cost you nothing to compliment somebody. Amen. My little Grace, I'm so proud of her. She told me the other day, she said, Dad, I complimented my teacher every day this year. Huh? We was at Lucille's the other night, and the waitress walked by, and Grace goes, "So awkward." Kind of caught me off guard. She's like, "I like your hair." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, praise God. She's probably gonna soften her up a little bit. And I'm gonna find out whether or not she believes in Jesus." Well, it's a family thing. We tag teaming up in here. Hey, I t- I t- I'm telling you, I'm teaching them how to get people saved. It can cost you absolutely nothing. Here's what I want you to write this down. Here's your goal this week. Your goal this week is to compliment five people that you do not know and can do nothing for you. That you do not know and can do nothing for you. Like your shoes, bro. That was the shirt you got baptized in. Pretty awesome. You still got it. I like your hair. The red, I, like, I like the color of your hair. It's pretty cool. You know, I'm excited for you, brother. Wife's getting baptized today. You, you, you did that. You brought your family to church. Praise God for you. See how easy that is? Imagine what it would do to somebody you didn't know. Here's some practical steps. Here's some practical steps. I've found by complimenting someone, it softens their heart. It starts the conversation. That's all I'm trying to do is have a conversation. Y'all want some acronyms. That's what y'all wanted last week. I'm going to give you some acronyms. Here we go. Number one is C. S-E-E. Write this down. S-E-E. Smile, eye contact, and enthusiasm. Works for reaching people for Jesus and job interviews. Huh? Hey, listen. Life sucks sometimes, and if you're not careful, you forget to, you'll forget to smile. Yeah, that's true. I will forget that I've got reasons to smile. <laughs> About every five minutes. Right? It's even worse now. You get in the car and you watch your gas gauge. You're like, God, oh, I just put $150 in this thing like three days ago. Start making these kids go to work. That's right. I make them walk, ride a bike. Smile. Be happy. Remember I told you guys about the prayer warrior ladies that were walking around the hotel with the, the vests on looking like this? and I was like please take it said how can I pray for you on the back of their vest and they were like this looked like more like they were like how can I cast a devil out of you more like pray for you I'm like would you just please smile last time I checked smile eye contact enthusiasm last time I checked I've been to Iraq 
You, you've been to Iraq, brother? These people got a lot of things to smile about today, don't they? Ain't nobody trying to kill you. No, nobody's kidnapping your family. Nobody's cutting your fingers off. Your kids aren't playing in a big pile of trash. You've got lights. You had enough gas to get yourself to work, to, 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 to church. Today, you're here. You're probably going to go eat lunch with everybody. You, last time I checked, you got a lot. You're going to go to heaven forever and ever and ever and be re reunited with those who went before you. Last time I checked, y'all got something to be happy about. If you had all the problems in the world... At the end of the day, the fact that I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, worshiping around the throne, if that's all I got to be happy, that's enough. To smile when I walk around. To make eye contact with people. Here's the next one. Smile, eye contact, enthusiasm. The next one, this one's for you, brother. The next one is Ford's. He's like, man, I finally sit on the front row. And... <laughs> hey, this is a good way. Conversation starters. This is what I'm talking about. This is how you start it. Number one, ask them about their family. You guys live here? You guys from around here? What's your, what's your, what's your family? Occupation. Hey, what do you do for a living? I used to hate that question when I wasn't owning the Great Commission. When I was a career pastor, when I go on vacation, and someone asked me what I do. I'd be like, I'm a car salesman. I'm a roofer. I'm a... Why? Because I didn't want to have to you know, I want to have to share the gospel with them. Family occupation are recreation. What are you, what are you, oh, y'all are out the lot. Oh, yeah, we, we y'all come out here a lot. Yeah, we come out here. Right? Ball field. Ball field's the greatest ministry in the world. Everybody in that ball field needs Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Including me. <laughs> Brianna has to remind me where I'm at and who I am, you know. It's like, don't forget you're a pastor. Like, these people are no different than me. Don't you put that evil on me. Don't you put me on that pedestal. I'll beat that guy down just like it. Anyway. Family, occupation, recreation, dreams. Hey, what, what's, what's your dreams? What's your dreams? I had a guy sitting here, sitting here last service, and I go to breakfast with him. He asked me to go to breakfast. I go. I said, hey, man, can we go to breakfast? Sure. So I go to breakfast at Jerry's. And I said, you ever, you, you ever notice that every time I meet with you, I'm... You're talking about you? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It's because I want to hear your hopes. I want to hear your dreams. Because I, I want to, I want to, are you with me? Yeah. Yes. And at school, school's an easy one. Where do you go to school? Where do your kids go to school? Mom translates across every language, socioeconomical background, everything in the world. Just start talking about your kids. Okay, here we go. Number two. Number two. This is the, this is the hard one. How do we reach the lost? Number two. You got to include everyone. You got to include everyone. Paul pretty much does it in verse 19 right here. He, he says, even though I am free of the demands, he, he pretty much lists everybody. He says, whoever. So you, in order to win the loss, you got to include everybody. And you would say, that's pretty easy. Uh, and I would say, you're a liar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Say this with me. Say, say God loves me. Say, uh, say, God loves you. God loves you. Oh, thank you guys. <laughs> say, God loves people I don't like. God loves people I don't like. Say, God loves black people. God loves black people. White people. White people. Poor people. Poor people. Gay people. Democrats. Republicans. Y'all with me? Yeah. 
this whole this whole include everyone ain't as easy as you thought it was. But God loves people that don't like you, and God loves people that you don't like. If I'm only witnessing to people I like, my circle's pretty short. <laughs> Last time I checked, John 3.16, the most famous Scripture in the Bible, it said, for God so loved the world, <laughs> that whosoever believed in Him would have eternal life and not perish. That, that's the problem with a bunch of Christians, though. They like everyone who looks like them, sounds like them, likes the same Jeremy Camp songs they like, goes to the same church they like, baptizes the way they like, does communion every week like they like it, does songs, three songs and it sits down. I like them if they're in my denomination. Right? And people are like, well, I'm non-denominational. It's like, well, that's a denomination. <laughs> it is a sect of people, right? God they like everyone who looks like they do, sounds like they do, votes like they do, believes like they do. God has to get us to the place where we live with an includer mindset. For real. Like, including it when we take, including people when we take our kids places. Right? Stop being that mom that sits over there on your phone and don't talk to people at the play place. You ain't doing us no favors as Christians. Get over there and like, start talking about their kids' shoes. Ask them about Oils, essential oils or something. <laughs> include people in the line. That means i got to include people in the line in the quick shop. This is easy. Look behind you. If somebody's got something you can afford, buy it for them. Yeah. Right? Because i got to add value first. Yeah. i got to add value first. I will go out of my way. I include people in my life, and this is something, and I'm going to try to toot my own horn because there's a bunch of things I do terrible in life, but I am, I am especially intentional about including people in my everyday life that don't look like me, that don't have the same color as me. I'll just say that. I have a friend that, that's, that's a black guy, African American, and I said, man, how, how, do I, how do I do this? He says, you know, tensions were high a year or so ago, right? I said, man, how do I do this well? He said, well, every black person you meet Make it a point to talk to him. I said, why is that? He said, because he said, all of my friends and me, he said, we presumptively assume that black people or that white people are walking around thinking they're better than black people. Wow. Really? Yep. We've got to live this way with this includer mindset. God loves me. God loves you. God loves everybody. Even if they don't look like me, vote like me, sound like me, believe like me. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. I love this, this includer mindset. We were at Pensinas and we were eating lunch, me and my wife and one of her friends. And um, um, our food was coming about the time. No, I think they brought somebody's food and we was all hungry and trying to eat, you know, and you can't everybody eat unless you pray. And we're them kind of Christians. And so we, <laughs> we, were, we were like waiting on that last. We were trying to pray after the first plate came, you know, so we'd have to wait like on somebody has some screwy order anyway. And so uh, about the time we were praying, uh, my wife looked up and the waitress had the plate, the last plate, and she was about to hand it to us. And she was politely standing there, you know, not trying to interrupt our prayer. And I said, uh, I looked up and I just stopped praying. Um, and I said, uh, hey, yeah, great. You set it down. She set it down. I said, hey, whoa, whoa. Is there anything you need prayer for? And uh, she goes, yeah. 
my son. And I said, okay, what's his name? She told me his name. And she said, I, I don't want to go into it, but he's just making some decisions. And, and she just, you can immediately see her face change. And here we are at the table, Pensinas. I'm holding hands. We're holding hands. We're pleading the blood of Jesus over her son that he's going to come to know God, that he's going to start making right decisions, that he's going to blah, blah, blah. That he's call, I mean, I'm praying to paint off the walls for this lady's son. Like, like heaven is real and hell is hot. And I get done and she's got tears running down her face. And she said, thank you so much. I said, I want you to know God sees you. Not only does God see you, but God sees your son. Why? Because you include them. You want to reach lost people? Just include them. Just include them in your life. You want to be like Jesus? It's not rhetorical. You're no more like Jesus than when you're including people. When you have a greater desire to connect with lost people than you do to correct lost people. When you have a greater desire to connect with them rather than correct them. Hey, hey, hey. God doesn't change us in order to accept us, does He? He accepts us in order to... Right? <laughs> this is easy right here. Let me teach you this in a little practical thing. We've got we to move a little bit here. but Practical thing. You've got to use the 101% rule. 101% rule. Okay? Here's what we do as Christians and as people. We typically find the 1% we don't agree on and then we give it all our effort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Right? Yeah. We find that, well, I believe in praying. Well, I don't. Well, let me tell you about that. <laughs> Right? You see that bumper sticker on their car and you're like, I'm about to... We, we, we do. We find the 1% we don't agree on and we give that all our effort. What, 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 here's what we got to do if we want to reach lost people. We've got to find the 1% we agree on and give that all our effort. Yeah. Yeah. And let the rest of it go. Yeah. Come on, it's the 101, 101% rule. When I live like this, when we live like this, here's what it means. It means that there's never a Sunday that goes by that I'm not cashing in on my relational value that I've added to their life where I'm not inviting them to come to church. Right? Cashing it in. <laughs> there's not a small group night that goes by that I'm not trying to cash in that relational added value to get them to come to small group. Why? Because they're going to get to meet Ryan and they're going to get to meet Aaron and they're going to get to meet Kyle and they're going to get to meet my guys. My guys will walk with them, roll with them through thick and thin. I tricked the guy into coming to small group last Wednesday night. Tricked him in there, bro. He just came by my house. I was like, oh, man, I've been trying to get him to come forever. I was like, hey, man, come up to church with me. I got something for you. He's like, oh, all right, cool. So he came to church with me. I was like, hey, man, it's men's group tonight. You can't leave. <laughs> Didn't I, Ryan? He sat there. and He goes, well, I'm just here because he kind of tricked me to be here, to be honest with you, man. But he needs it. I'm going to cash in on that value. I'm going to cash in on that relational equity. That's what we're doing next week. That's the only... I want y'all to have fun. I want your kids to have fun at this. But that's the only reason I'm doing this. I want my kids to play on the blow-ups and do all the things. That's great. But the really reason I'm doing this is so that you can have ammunition to invite your lost friends to come to a church-organized function that they wouldn't normally come to. That's the only reason I'm doing it. 
in hopes that when they come, they'll, they'll be disarmed a little bit, then they'll walk through the door, they'll check their kids in, and Aaron and Megan will be taking care of their kids, and then I'll be in here, and I'll be preaching the gospel to them, and they'll get saved and radically transformed, and then they'll learn to own the Great Commission, and then they'll go out and they'll get somebody else saved. That's the only reason I'm doing it, everybody. Number three, you've got to enter their world. <laughs> Go to the dark side. <laughs> right? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Chill out, everybody. Uh, I got to go to the, the back alleys. <laughs> no, lost people are everywhere. But the really cool stories are in the back alleys. Yeah. The really cool stories yeah. of the ones who are forgotten and marginalized, they're in the back alleys. He says, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and I tried. I tried to experience things from... Newsflash, everybody. You should have some lost friends. <laughs> you should. I have lost friends. The only, part, the only reason I keep them around is to get them saved. The only reason I keep them around is to continue to share the gospel with them and their friends. You should have some lost people in, in your friend circle. You should. You should go get a gym membership and go there. There's lost people there. You should go to the ball field. There's lost people there. You should, should go to whatever. There, there's lost people everywhere. You, you should have some lost friends. If you don't have any lost friends, how in the world are you going to add value and build relation, relationship in order to lead them to Jesus if you don't have any lost friends? Our message as the church is not only counterintuitive to someone who's lost, but it's also not biblical. This, this come into our world message. Come to church with us. Well, you know them doors are open, Cherry. I guess they can come if they want to. They got plenty of parking out there. Right? What, what does the Bible say? It says that the Word... Became flesh. And what? Oh, so wait, so he came to us. Isn't that, isn't that how this is supposed to work? The, the only reason we've lived with this come to church mindset, rather than bringing someone, that's different. Rather than puking up a service and putting it out there and saying, come at 1030, and putting a, a, putting a, a, a witty <laughs> quote on the sign. It's hot out there, you should see our preacher. You know, whatever they put on there. Y'all could put y'all could post that if y'all wanted to. Wouldn't disparage it. <laughs> When's the last time you ever posted about the preaching, Linda? I'm just kidding. I don't really care. Okay. Well, praise God. Okay. Listen, this is the reason this message of come was created. It was created by religious people to push the personal responsibility of the lost back onto the lost and not on us as the church. We've made this place a place to huddle up, shout, scream, and holler, and run around. It was created to shift the personal responsibility of the lost off of us as the church and Christians and onto them as the lost. 
Right? Well, the invitation's there. Question. If they're lost, how are they going to find themselves? Because I'm going to tell you, my friend that I tricked in coming here Wednesday night, he ain't going to find himself. He ain't. He is not going to find himself. I am going to have to lead him back to Jesus. And I'm going I'm to I'm I'm love the hell out of him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to trick him again. I'm going to keep loaning him $20 every time he asks me for it. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Invitation. Hey, your, your lack of compassion that you have for lost people, it's derived from your lack of connection to lost people. This is one of the fundamental problems with the religious mindset. It's we three and no more. It's also with pe- perception management that, that they wouldn't ever want to be seen with those people. Notice what Paul says. He says, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world. What what is he saying? He's saying as you build a relationship with lost people, the health, peace, and purpose of your life should create space for conversations about how you possess those things. Man, you're you're always the one that's got it all together. Man, let me tell you, I ain't. You're always the one that knows the right thing to say. How do you always have the right thing to say? Well, let me tell you about that. How do you always have money? Well, let me tell you about that. There's a biblical principle. It's called tithing. 10%. He gives me 90. Can you believe that? He said, I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. One of the greatest books ever written was called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's not a self-helpy law of attraction book. It's by Dale Carnegie. It's an incredible book. You should read it. And uh, it says, instead of condemning people, let's try to understand them. That's what Paul's saying here. He says, let's try to understand them. Let's try not, let's try to figure out why they do what they do. That's a lot more profitable and intriguing than criticism. And it breeds sympathy, tolerance, and kindness. To know all is to forgive all. And he says this, he says, remember, (laughs) they're only doing what you would do in their position. They're only doing what you would do with their set of circumstances, with their set of problems, with their set of trauma, with their set of religious background, with their set, they're only doing what you would do in their position, everybody. If you live this way, the way that I'm talking about, you'll do a lot of apologizing for Christians. I do it all the time. I'm like, yeah, I think there's a, there's a different place in heaven for them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry they threw you away when life sucked. I'm sorry. I'm sorry they burned you down when you confided in them and told them something that was on your heart. I'm sorry they betrayed your trust and looked at you with judgment. I'm sorry they are not God. He said, I entered their world and tried to... Most Christians are known more for what they're against than what they're for. Just look at their Facebook wall. 
It says, I entered their world and I tried to see it from their point of view. Notice he, notice he said, notice he didn't say, I agreed with their point and tried to enter, I entered their world and agreed with their point. He said, I in, you know what I mean. He said, I didn't have to agree with them, but I just tried to see where they're coming from. Because here's newsflash, everybody. You can't move somebody mentally and thought and belief system if you don't actually understand where they're coming from. If we're going to be people who exist to win the lost, exist to live out the Great Commission, then we've got to change everybody. Can I, can I just tell you this? Being a part of the noise on social media ain't helping me. If you'll just stop, that'd be great. Like, it ain't. Best case scenario, you get unfollowed. And that time when you post about church... And they need it, they're not going to see it because they ain't listening to your junk no more. Listen, that, that, that's not, social media is not the place. If we're going to exist to win the lost and try to win the lost, like, cut it out. Or if you don't cut it out and you want to continue to do it, it's your social media, whatever you want. It's America. Just please don't ever post anything about this church. Just don't. Because I'm, I'm trying to win the lost. And Paul said that, that I've got to enter their world and try to understand them, and I can't if I'm constantly offending them. My invitation to church will never work with my Save, Save America again post. Whatever, if that's how you want to live, by all means. Listen, let me tell you this though. I am the most, you, you won't find, you won't find, and y'all, y'all, people that know me will tell you this, you will not find a more pro-life, pro-gun pro-freedom, pro-democracy, conservative Christian, pro-man and woman, in marriage person than I am. Pro-democracy, come get it, don't tread on me, that's me. Come in my house, you won't make it out. <laughs> However, Every one of those belief systems bow at the foot of the Great Commission. I am not concerned with advancing the agenda of the world. I am convinced and concerned and commissioned to advance the message of the kingdom of God at all cost. As long as I breathe oxygen on this side of heaven, I don't care who's president. I don't care what they do. I'm going to stand here flat-footed and preach the gospel to people without offense until my life is no longer existing on this earth. Are you with me? Because if you're not, that's fine. But please stop calling yourself a Christian. I don't care how many Bible verses you post. Stop it. The world has had enough. And it's going to hell every day. Maybe this is new for you. <laughs> I wrote that down intentionally. Maybe this is challenging for you. That's okay. It, it does the same thing for me. It's hard. We, we, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. 
Amen, everybody? And there was a day where I had to repent. Repent. Repent means to turn from. It means to ask for forgiveness. And the good news through Jesus, you get forgiveness in an instant. But I had to repent for living life counter to what I just preached to you as a, as a Christian and even a pastor. I had to stop and get on my knees and say, God, break my heart for the lost people. God, help me see them. For nine years, the only person I ever led to Jesus was on a platform. God, help me to be a real-life Christian, not just a vocational pastor. And I wonder if you're here today and you say, Pastor Mark, I need to repent too. I've made this about church. I've made this about religion. I've made this about the do's and the don'ts. And, and I realized today, because that's what repenting is. Repenting is realizing there's a better way. There's God's way. And Pastor, I'm sorry, I, I haven't existed for the lost. And I, ha- I haven't, I have, I have, I, I've been selfish in my pursuit of Christianity, and I've, I've, I've served a belief system and not a person. And I, I really felt like this in my spirit when I was finishing up this message this morning. Um, I felt like giving us an opportunity to just repent, to just tell God we're sorry. Because here's the thing, guys: for three weeks we've been hitting this, and we're gonna go on from here. And this can either be a message series that was great and moved you emotionally during the moment and go flat and never make an impact on your life. Or we can repent and ask God for change and change today. We can live different. We can be real. Say it with me. Life Christians.